Quite often, people have said to me over the years, well, I believe in God as, as if that were all that needed to be said. Well, very good, says Jesus' brother in the book of James that he wrote. Chapter 2, he says, you believe there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Not just demons, but the people who crucified Jesus, they believed in God. That doesn't mean they were Christians. Those persecuting Jesus' believers today in many parts of the world are people who also believe in God. There is more to Christian faith than simply being able to say, oh, I believe in God. A survey a number of years ago asked some nine-year-olds about God, the God they believed in, and amongst the replies were these. God is very kind and good and handsome too. God has given me and some people what we want. He is good. I think he has a white coat and black hair. Or again, God is the father of Jesus. I like God because he puts ideas into my head when I am in trouble with my sums. Jesus is kind because he helps people who are sick. Again, I think God is a very nice man and is very kind to everyone. Even when you or I do something wrong, God will forgive us. He punishes people when they do something very bad. He invented schools. Well, we might be amused by parts, impressed by other parts of the answers, but I, I wonder how well many folks today would be able to answer the question, okay, you say you believe in God, but who is he and what's he like? Rather than a faith that we make up, Christianity claims to be what God has shown us, what God has revealed. A foundational claim of the gospel is that God has made himself known, particularly through Jesus. And rather than people coming up with their own ideas, Christian faith is about God reaching out to us, reaching out for us. Suppose someone was stranded on a, a desert island for a couple of weeks. Suppose they were there, no phone, no means of communication, nothing. Such a person wouldn't know what's going on in the outside world. Are people looking for me, he might think? Have people assumed that I've died? Have they organized my funeral? Has the wife cashed in the insurance policy? What's happening in uh, terrorism? What's happening with this or that? Did Partick Thistle win last weekend? Are there more riots, more countries in lockdown? You see, he's cut off from all of these things and more, and there's no way of finding out. And if he's ever to find out any of these things, it would only be when he gets rescued and people tell him. Similarly, we, we do not have any direct access to God. We do not have any direct access to what he's like unless he chooses to come to us, unless he chooses to reveal himself. And so humanity discovers God not by digging down deep into our souls or by deciding what would be a good idea or making up a set of rules that we like. Rather, it is the God who is there, the God who is beyond us, the God who is outside our wee desert island who comes to us to let us know that he is there and to let us know who he is and what he's like. He reaches into our world. And he did that particularly and especially 
through Jesus. More than that, the gospel's claim is not just that God has passed on some information about what he's like so that we can believe in him, but he wants to know us to be in a relationship with us. The gospel is not telling us some ideas about how to live. It is God coming to us to, to, to love us and for us to love him. It's about relationships, a living relationship between a living God and people living in this world. One of the lessons that we supposedly have learnt, and I very much hope we have learnt it during this pandemic, is about the importance of relationships, about how much we have missed not being able to see others in, in ways that we could before, about how invaluable relationships are. It's the way we are. It's the way we've been wired for love, for community, for relationship. And the reason that the gospel is good news is that God coming to us is coming to us to be in a loving relationship with us. That's part of Jesus' message, for example, in verse 18 of our, of our reading. Jesus makes, known, makes God known to us by being one with us while at the same time being one with God. But hey, that was 2,000 years ago, wasn't it? So how does that work in terms of having a relationship now? I mean, I can't just have a relationship with someone who lived a long time ago. I can find out things about Gandhi, about Elvis Presley, about Churchill, about Marilyn Monroe, and goodness knows how many other people, but that doesn't mean I have a relationship with any of them. I can't have a relationship with any of them. They're all dead. And the living relationships I have are with people who are involved with me in life, with whom there is some personal interaction, virtual or otherwise. So, given that Jesus was on this earth 2,000 years ago, how is it that I can not just know about him, but know him and through him know God? Well, that's what Jesus was teaching his disciples in that passage in John chapter 14 that Valerie read. He was only going to be with his followers in the flesh for a, a short time beyond that. But one was coming to replace him who was going to remain with his followers for always, verse 16. And Jesus goes on to say, verse 17, that he's speaking about the Holy Spirit. He's going to send another comforter, another parakletos is the word. He's going to send this parakletos to be, to be with us, and that parakletos is the Spirit. And up until this point in, in the story in the Gospels, Jesus had been with his disciples. He was their friend, supporter, advocate, helper, comforter. And all of these words are contained in the meaning of this term parakletos that's used to describe the Spirit. And so just as Jesus was friend, supporter, advocate, helper, comforter to his disciples, so the Spirit will be all that to us and more. And so, just as Jesus' ministry on earth was about to end and to climax in his death and resurrection and ascension, and just as then through that he'd be no longer with his followers in the world, he was coming to him and coming to the followers in another way. The Spirit was going to come and be just as much God to them and God with them as Jesus had been when he was with them in the flesh. And notice in the, the passage that we read how Jesus moved from the third person to the first person as he talked about the Spirit. 
Verse 17, the Spirit will be in you. Then verse 18, I will not leave you. I will come to you. Those who love and obey Jesus receive the Spirit, verses 16 and 17. And it is to those who love and obey Him that Jesus shows Himself, verse 21. You see, to, to have the Spirit was to have Jesus. To have Jesus was to have the Spirit. So in one sense, He was not going away at all. For one was going to be with His people who was so closely identified with Jesus that, that Jesus could talk about the Spirit and Himself in interchangeable terms. The Spirit will be in you. I will not leave you and so on. And sometimes we might be tempted to think that wouldn't it be so much easier to believe if we had lived when Jesus lived? If we'd seen him in action, surely that would have been much better and made faith easier. We could have seen for ourselves. But I think that's wrong on at least two counts. Firstly, there were many people who did see Jesus in action and who didn't believe. There were a lot of people who did see and hear him and walked away or crucified him. Secondly, Jesus has promised to be around with his people forever. He promised that all the benefits that his first disciples had through being with him could be ours as well through the Spirit. And not just for a few days or a few years, but for always. And not just for sometimes in the day, but throughout the day, all day. And not just in certain places, but throughout all the earth. The disciples had times when they and Jesus were separated. He was up on the Mount of Transfiguration, and they were struggling with the, 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 the challenge to heal a boy who was having fits. If Jesus was in Galilee, he couldn't be in Jerusalem. If he was on a boat in the lake, he couldn't be in the temple. But now, because his presence is through the Holy Spirit, he is available at all times in all places. And as a result of this promised Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus himself, Christians today, remarkable as it seems, are in a better situation than Jesus' followers. So we have to do much better than simply say, I believe in God. The gospel brings us into his presence, allows us to know God, see God, verse 20. Jesus says, I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. How close is that? How intimate is that? And so the difference between only being able to say, I believe in God, and saying, I know God, is huge. It's a bit like the difference between reading a cookery book and having a great meal. Well, you can read the cookery book. You, you can let the idea of food and of eating excite and inspire you. You could maybe look at some of the, 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 the pictures of the finished products and think how wonderful that would be. And, but if you're hungry... What you really want is not to read about food, but to have something to eat. I believe in God is a bit like I've got this cookery book. I know God. I, I have received the Spirit is a bit more like eating, being fed, being nurtured. 
So do you just believe in God, or is he with you, in you, known by you? For that is the reality that Jesus promised his followers, and the reality that he brought when the Holy Spirit was given to the church after Jesus ascended. As we were saying last week, the ascension makes clear that Jesus' mission was to be taken on and, and furthered by his followers. His people were now the body of Christ in the world, but they weren't left just to their own selves, just to their own devices and their own resources, their own ideas and their own wisdom. He gave his Holy Spirit to be with them. And so as just as Peter and Matthew and Andrew and Mary and Martha could be helped by Jesus being with them, so too would all the church all over the world, over all of time, be helped by the Spirit the Spirit of Jesus with us. That's why it's such a shame, such a tragedy when we live in such a way and when we give the impression that Christianity is only a vague believing in God or Christianity is only about what we do and what we think. When we focus on rules or the church as an organization or institution, when we are more concerned about our own programs and events and so on. Jesus didn't offer to provide us with any or indeed all of that. He promised his spirit. So what do you think Jesus reckoned that we most needed? 